I had that moment. I finally had that moment where I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, it worked. Hi, everyone. It's Olympic figure skater and broadcaster Tara Lipinski, and you're listening to Unexpecting. I started this podcast with my husband and now co-host Todd to bear it all about my untold five-year and often excruciating journey with infertility. The goal is simple, to take this taboo subject and demystify it, to normalize these important conversations, and hopefully to find answers. Nothing is off limits, and over the course of the series, we'll unpack my fertility mystery, the trauma we've endured, and hopefully offer those struggling alongside of us some valuable insight. So laugh and cry with us as we ride this unimaginable fertility roller coaster, hopefully toward a brighter day. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And if you know someone struggling with fertility, tell them about this podcast. Because our path might be different, but it doesn't mean we're lost. Hi, everyone. I'm Tara Lipinski. And this is Todd Kapastashi. And you're listening to the third episode of Unexpecting. Episode three. So where we left off in episode two was we had tried a time dinner course Mm -hmm. um, by the advice of our doctor. And neither of us were particularly hopeful that that was going to work. But take me back again. How, like in that moment when we were doing it, how, it's not even hopeful because there wasn't really hope, right? I think I was in a little bit of a weird space because... Obviously, look, I want to say this. Retrieval 2, where we got those two normal embryos that are on ice and sitting there, that changed the game for us. We had one less bridge to cross. We proved that we are able to have biological children. We made two of them. And I think that was a huge um, step that we took that then I could step back relax a little bit of not trying to figure out what's next. What do we do next? What's the next plan? And we went into retrieval three and four, and those were absolute failures, obviously, maybe for some reasons or luck. But after two consecutive back-to-back failures, I had zero hope that this one egg and this one sperm would be perfect enough to implant and create a baby. But I was like, okay, Dr. Beck, you think it can happen? Sure, let's just try it because I sure as hell don't want to do another retrieval. So maybe this is a little break. And I think that's what I sort of thought. Did you think it was going to work? Like if if at the time we were betting, what would you have said? Uh... I would have said like 50 50. I actually. Oh my God, that is so Todd. This is, we are so, we are so Toss different. Up. It's a flip of the coin. A flip of, okay. So. Wait, but what was your percentage? I was 50 50. Six. Six percent. That it, yeah, five. That it was going to work. Yes. Okay. So we were on different pages. Different, different, we, were, we were on different pages. Well, but again, to reiterate what I keep saying is we never had tried naturally yet. So for me, it was kind of like, oh, well, who knows? Why not have a positive outlook? Glass half full. And I think because you weren't very hopeful at all for this time dinner course, you definitely treated it differently. And before retrievals, you were, you know, anxious and very strict about your diet leading up to it. Like we stopped drinking a lot of times. And then (laughs) this time to retrieval, you kind of didn't care. Oh, no. I I mean, this this time I just, I knew it wasn't going to work. I just thought this is just, this is an exercise. And I went through six months or even more because we had done four retrievals at that point of watching what I ate and thinking about what I ate and not drinking. And we were in the middle of COVID. 
and I needed a cocktail at the end of the night and we needed to just relax, turn on Outlander, which we binged. <laughs> we we would get our glass of wine. Well, we also, and- if you remember, we started playing... These weird, uh, I mean, oh, COVID Zoom, is so weird. We played the Zoom these games. weird game show games with a bunch of oh, friends no. on Zoom. Yeah, and I was not good at that. Oh, yeah, guys. so <laughs> these, all these, these things, memories. all these memories are coming back to me. I just want to say quickly okay, you are an Olympic champion. Mm-hmm. It's so special. It was yeah. so amazing. You, you were the best in the world at something in front of 40, <laughs> I don't know what the ratings were 40, 50, 100 million people. Right. In 1998, like the pressure, I can't imagine that, you yeah. know, like I get nervous when I'm like checking out at the grocery store. Like you're, <laughs> you did this in front of all these people, but Tara, like when you play game, yeah. especially these games, I don't know what it is when you played this, these games, like guys, I, I don't want to overstate <laughs> this, but you know, people get stressed during games, right? Like they feel insecure or whatever, or they're not good at a game and yes. they don't handle it well. You during this one game, I don't know what, why, psych- psychologically, you can tell me, you were melting the fuck <laughs> down. Like, we got in a fight because you started kind well, of being a little mean to me. me. You were like, I was just being answer. nice. I was like, being just nice. Answer. And I was like, I don't know what to answer. I was like rooting you on, like, oh, Tara, it's you were, totally no, you fine. You were just like, go, go, go. Yeah, you and got it was it. like, I get, no, but that was like the pity. You got it. Like, I knew I was but so, floundering. But we're, we're kind of like getting off topic <laughs> with this, though. Like, why? Because again, I want to reiterate, this this wasn't like, oh, I don't know, like cutesy. Like, I don't want to play the game. This was like, you were having like a panic attack kind of. (laughs) No, but really, this is like a serious. I don't think I was having a. You won the Olympics. (laughs) Like, what is it with party games that you can't do? Yeah, I I think I just like (laughs) want to be good at things. And I recognized very early on that I sucked at this game. And I got in my head and I was like, Again, it's always like, work harder, train harder. How can you be better? Listen to what other people are doing, you know? And I was like, so serious that, yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> so you just, you literally stopped playing. Like, yeah, I eventually was like, what, I, I remember I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta walk this one off. Yeah, I don't know how to really paint a picture of like how <laughs> stressed and angry you just sat and would refuse to play this game while every like 20 other people, drinking. 20 other people are playing and just like, I can't, I can't, I do, can't it. do it. I can't I play this can't game. A little insight into game playing at the Kapastashis. Or the Lipinski psychology. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in that noggin. But the point is that if it's not already obvious, neither of us thought this was going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but just take me through the few days and the week after that time dinner course. I didn't really know what to do. I didn't research anything, which was really strange with how much research I was doing. I didn't even know if I should test at home. I knew of women testing at home, but the clinic said, show up on this day for blood work. And I didn't know if I tested at home the day before, would it show up? Didn't even know that there's two different types of tests, you know, that there's six day early tests that will pick up the HCG in your system that's earlier. What, that's what it's that's testing. What it's testing. H, yeah, HCG. And I didn't even know that. I, I, yeah, zero knowledge about this. So what led you to then, because you said you did, I don't remember any of this, frankly. <laughs> but, <laughs> of course you don't. <laughs> but, well, no, I remember you getting a pregnancy test. I didn't know that you were thinking about not testing before the blood test yeah. at the office. But what led you to take that test? So I was, I remember it so vividly. I was sitting on the couch Sunday morning and... I felt this like dizzy feeling and it was the exact same feeling I felt 
throughout these previous retrievals when I would take my trigger shot, which has HCG in it. And I was like, oh my goodness. I like put the two things together. And then I tested and a freaking line showed up. It was insane. It was one of those moments. Actually, it's kind of sad because I look back at this time and I think a lot of women in the infertility community feel this very deeply is that a lot of times when you've had so much loss and failure that you get robbed of the experience that a lot of other women may have that don't have issues that get pregnant, are a little bit naive, don't know what can go wrong in that moment and just look at the test and feel this joy and it's I'm pregnant and it's as you see it in the, you know, in the movies or Instagram and they're running and they're doing a cute little thing to surprise their husband that they're pregnant. And then it's like, we're pregnant and we tell everyone and this is exciting. I realize now looking back how I hold on to this one Sunday morning so tightly because I was a little naive and that is the best way to be, to not know too much. And I had that moment. I finally had that moment where I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, it worked and I ran into you. I remember you were sleeping in, the, in bed and I was like shaking, showing it to you. And I could not believe it. It was like, I just kept staring at that stick. I just couldn't imagine that this happened. I was like, Dr. Beck, God, you know your shit. <laughs> <laughs> or we're probably like, God damn, we wasted so much money on IVF. Yes, exactly. Like, what were we doing with these retrievals? That's what I thought. I was like, my body just doesn't like <laughs> retrievals. Do you remember my reaction? I feel like, to be honest, it was kind of chill, <laughs> as it always is. But I just wanted, I wanted more of that Instagram. <gasps> you know what I mean? And what were you thinking at that moment? I think, I think two things. I think one was a, as any person, not just man, but especially probably the man feels panic <laughs> set in when they see a positive pregnancy test. But at that point, you're <laughs> no, but I think, you know why? Because I think that we, you know, when you do IVF, everything's like planned. So it's like in this weird thing where you're like, well, we're going to, if all works out, we're going to have a kid on September 15th at you know, 8 a.m. Because like, you know, you kind of know the date and it's going to be a boy or like, we right, know it's a boy right, right. or whatever it yes. is. And I think I had gotten in my head, like that's how our experience it's is going to be. Work. We're going to know what right. it is and the date and everything's going to be very planned out. So in my head, I can plan for that. It's just mm -hmm. like my personality. Right. So I think when you showed me that, it really threw me for a loop of like, oh, like nine months from now, we're going to have a baby. Like I thought it was going to be 13 months or whatever it was if, right. you know, the the next retrieval work yeah. and we did a, a transfer. So I had that in my head. The second thing I think was, to be honest with you, and this is just shows, you know, a shortcoming, I guess, on my, my part or just the way I was thinking about things being wrong. I was sort of probably slightly upset in that moment that we had gone through a little bit, a little amount of trauma in the last year or, or just, you know, right. it's, it's IVF is time consuming. Like it seems like it. all we talked about yes. was like IVF and our pregnancy yeah. and it became our life. And so when, when you showed me that part of me was kind of like, why didn't we just do this a year ago? Right. Like, why did we go through right. it? It had nothing to do with the money part right. of it. It was just the like lifestyle life change that we went through for so long. And I was kind of bummed of like, oh, well, yeah, we got pregnant. Like, why were we worried? Well, 
<laughs> yeah, I know. Well, now I, I, I'm right. clearly a moron <laughs> and a bad husband and an asshole. But, <laughs> but, no, I mean, that was just a natural emotion and I can understand why you were probably a little bit like, oh my goodness, we were moving so fast now to see if we could get pregnant where that wasn't our plan before. And then on top of it, thinking, why did we just spend, you know, a year of our life doing this if this just would have worked? Yeah. And I think it's a theme again that I'll keep owning up to. And that's like, I was always the one who was like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Tara, like stop with the negative down in the dumps. Not that you were, but you were being realistic where I was being like on the optimistic side of it where I was like, oh, yeah. it's going to be fine. Why are we even doing IVF? Let's try naturally. Right, right. And you were the one who was like, no, I, I'm, gotta check. Hey Todd, I'm the one actually like reading about the stuff. Like right. I know the facts. Yeah. You're just off in your wonderland <laughs> yes. thinking it's going to work. Yeah, exactly. But I think unfortunately that positive pregnancy probably reinforced my bonehead view that we were just going to get, get pregnant, pregnant naturally. naturally. But I do remember that day was pretty special. I'll always remember the excitement in the house that day and we went for a little picnic and it was a good day. I think also, and you tell me, in my head, I was kind of like, the ego was like back up. Like we had been torn down for a year being like, oh, you're Todd, you're sperm because you were, you had this fever and oh, could it be like sperm motility? You, you know, like are your, like how many eggs do you have? Like you're just constantly being questioned. And I think this positive test was like, our first try trying naturally, like we nailed we're, it. We're like what humans are supposed to be. We're functioning properly. And I think, so my, I think like confidence in that, like was rejuvenated. I don't know about you. Yeah. I felt, I felt it's the weird thing about fertility. And I think there's pros and cons to this because when you do feel proud or you feel that sense of pride that your body did what it was supposed to do. That is great. You want to be able to relish in that moment. But then on the flip side, that means you're then critiquing your body if it fails you. But it's hard not to. There was a part of me that was finally like, my body excelled again. My body did me right. And that's a good feeling. So this is late May, 2020 middle of COVID or just like the early kind of worst part of COVID, honestly. Um, but what did you know about being pregnant? All I could think of was don't mess this up because we are so lucky and whatever just happened the last year, we're going to put behind us and bubble wrap yourself and make sure that you keep this going. I just remember even thinking going down the stairs, like walk slowly, Tara. And then remember we went for like a little picnic that day. And we just had to hop this small fence. And I was like, oh no, Todd, I'm pregnant. And people like like run marathons. People are doing (laughs) crazy things pregnant. And I was like, don't touch me. Yeah, I feel like I brought, you know, (laughs) people talk about having sex during pregnancy. I feel like I brushed against your shoulder wrong one day and you're like, "Ah, don't touch me. Like, careful, don't worry. Careful. But also Dublin at the time was going through chemotherapy and that really freaked me out. And it's my little baby. And I kept thinking, you know, is it in his saliva? What's happening? But yeah, I was in bubble wrap. What was your emotional state at this point? Because we had been through a year of some struggles. So were you like telling friends? 
No. So I actually didn't tell many people about this. I think three people I told that I was trying it and that then we got pregnant, but I didn't tell my a lot of my closest friends. And I think that was because I had them so involved in the retrieval process. And after the third retrieval failed and after the fourth retrieval failed, I did feel a little bit of shame or, you know, wonder is everyone like, oh, what do we say to her? Like, what's wrong with Tara? Or Tara. Yeah. yeah. And I just didn't want to add one more item to the list and we could just sweep it under the rug if it didn't happen because we were essentially naturally trying to get pregnant. Um, and I think there was also something that because I was not so naive anymore of how many millions of things need to go right for a live birth to happen, I didn't want to hear. I think a lot of times people don't know and it's like, oh my God, that's so exciting. You're going to be pregnant in two weeks. And in my mind, now that I knew all these things, I was like, well, that's a, that's a long shot. So I think for me at the time, again, everything was so overwhelming. Why it's taken five years, I needed to shut down and isolate a bit. And I think I used to do that as an athlete. You know, you had your little rink, you were there alone, just your your small circle and it felt good. And I feel like I always do that. I retreat back to, I'm just not capable of, of doing all the things at once. And I'm going to just focus on this one thing. That makes sense. But I, I will say from observing you, it does seem like this was like a new era, like when this pregnancy happened of just like not, you kind of shut down, I think from from friends. And, and this sharing. is a good observation too, because if you know me, I am the most social being <laughs> there is. I tell everyone my life story when I meet them. It's just who I am. My girlfriends are like sisters. They know everything. You know, they were up to date on my neon pee debacle <sighs> day to day with pictures. There was nothing off limits. So it it is really strange um, that I didn't feel that I could open up. But I think that's also a testament to how difficult these times were for me and also the million and two reasons why I think some women don't feel comfortable talking about fertility. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Throughout this process, we've talked a lot about a test I used during my own IVF journey. We are talking about Receptiva DX. Many couples struggle with infertility and end up eventually seeing an IVF specialist. But did you know that 50% of patients will likely be unsuccessful in IVF? It's a heartbreaking stat, which only adds to the enormous physical and emotional toll this process takes. Also, 50% of women with unexplained infertility will test positive for Receptiva DX. And that number jumps even higher if you've experienced an IVF failure. But there is good news. Treatment options can improve your chances by fivefold for a successful pregnancy. This is why having this information and taking this test could be a missing puzzle piece on your journey to having a baby. If you're searching for answers, please ask your doctor about this test or go to receptivadx.com to learn more. You mentioned HCG levels mm -hmm. as they relate to pregnancy yes. tests, which is what pregnancy tests essentially test yeah. for is that level. Yeah. But at that point, because again, spoiler alert, those levels will become very important. important. They're yeah. important in all fertility journeys, yes. but would become vital in ours and tracking yeah. those. But what did you know at that point about HCG levels? Like I said, I didn't research anything until the very last minute. I went for my blood work. It came back as 101. And I realized 101, what does that mean? <laughs> Is that a good number or a bad number? So I immediately started researching HCG. What should your number be? 
So I think over the next week, I had a pretty good grasp on what this initial phase of pregnancy should look like if it's going well. So 101 was the first number. And then I think four days later, it went to like eight something, 874. 874. So what, I'll always remember. What was, was that good? That was amazing. <laughs> so it is supposed to double every two days. It quadrupled. My nurse, Erica, shout out to Erica. She was my main gal at CFP. She was my nurse. She was on top of everything. She always made me feel so good. She walked me through all the ups and downs. She was so invested in my journey. Um, I don't know what I would have done without her. And I just remember I got a text from her. I just vividly remember sitting at our dining room table doing a COVID puzzle (laughs) and the text popped up and it was all hard eyes. And she was like, superstar. And I was like, yeah, superstar. (laughs) We have like an amazing number. And it was so exciting. So you're pregnant. Numbers are looking good. I think it's kind of a fun time to stop down here too and talk about, I think this is a discussion with a lot of friends groups and couples about, Mm -hmm. you know, fitting into a certain stage in life. So, you know, again, we were pregnant and in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm, I think I was 36 Uh at that point, right? And you were 37. Yes. You know, it felt okay to me. You know, I never really wanted to be an old dad. I did worry about that a little bit. And I think we met later in life. So it just felt like we were on track to be somewhat older parents. But I think that this pregnancy in my head, I was sort of like, okay, like 36 isn't so bad. I'll have a kid by, I don't know how the math worked out, but 37 and, you know, that's Nine okay. months. But you didn't care. <laughs> that's how the math works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't care. No, I, and I've always been like this in my life with big major milestones. I don't know if it's, you know, I'm a planner, you know, I'm type A, so it doesn't really match. But no, remember my original plan was we're going to do this in our forties. We're going to push it till as late as we can. I feel young. I'll always feel like a young mom age. A number had had zero effect on me when it came to thinking about being a parent. Yeah. And then it also, the same with dating. I just sort of felt when I met you, I mean, we weren't old at all. I was 32, almost 33. And Todd's a year younger than me. Tara hates that I hate that. I had never dated anyone younger than me. And it's so irrational how much you hate that. It's just, yeah, because you tease (laughs) me about it. Um, But anyways, I never felt pressure to get married, to... But it is interesting. It's all like perspective and the context of like where you're at in your life because you say, well, we weren't old. We were 32. I mean, to to like a 21-year-old, that's super old. Yeah, I know. Again, this is maybe an ongoing theme. I never feel old. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We always perpetually feel like we're 19. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I kind of remember sitting across from you during our first date like, okay, I'm 32, she's 33, we're kind of old, but like <laughs> if, I, if I really wow her and maybe in like three or four months, she'll agree to marry me and we'll be fine. <laughs> this is actually something that's interesting that we forgot to talk about in episode one when we talked about like our, our love story. Our first date, our first date, guys. Our first date was nonsense. It was amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing story. We should tell this because I have a lot of vitriol and anger <laughs> for this story. Okay, so, so long story is shortish as I can make it. Um, what? Okay. I, I should he's, t- he's, he's, do you want to start? I'm stewing. No. Oh, I oh, should. No, start. Yes, I should start the story because okay, like. <laughs> okay, so 
We are still on email as we talked about in episode one, I think. Emailing back and forth. My aunt had set us up like, hey, you should meet Tara. She's in LA. She handed you an Emmy. So we email back and forth. We set up a date mm-hmm. for a place here in LA in Brentwood. Yeah, in Brentwood. We set a date and a time. And this wasn't like a new, this wasn't brunch. This wasn't. Yeah, this was the this evening. This was prime time <laughs> date time. Right. Evening at a nice Brentwood yes. establishment. Yes. Like this is a date. Yes. This Legit is, date. It is. Okay. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm taking this very seriously. Um, probably too, <laughs> way too seriously. I go out, you know, maybe get a new shirt, <laughs> like get a haircut. I'm like, you know, I'm looking my the best <laughs> I could possibly look, but I'm like prepping for this day because right. it's important to me. Right. So, you know, I'm a little nervous. And then the day, the day of comes, I'm yeah, still- Yeah, let me interject here. The day of comes, I had to, I went and got my hair done and, you know, I had to get it colored and I was talking- with my colorist and she was saying, I have this amazing guy I know. He's throwing a birthday um, party tonight. You know, he said for you to join. Why don't you come? Correct. So the proper response, if I may, uh-huh. in that situation is to say, very nice of you to invite me to yes. this. I have a date. Yeah. I can't. I can, no, Thanks, but no thanks. I can't right. go. Well, I thought not. I just thought I could do both. Okay. So I'm stressed out. <laughs> I get another email from Tara and I'm thinking, whoa, this is nice. Is she going to say like, can't wait to meet you tonight? No. (laughs) And this is, this is so important. Where's my camera? This is so important to say the language that was used because it's (laughs) A, it's very hilarious. And two, it's just cruel and wrong. Tara writes an email to me that says verbatim, got, this is how it started. Got word. My friends will also be there tonight. Feel free to bring a friend. Feel free to bring a friend. Mm -hmm. So just explain to the audience what got word means. I don't know exactly. I received received word. (laughs) Somehow I found out. A carrier pigeon said my friends will be at our date tonight. Okay. So I see this email and I have a massive panic attack because I'm like, okay, this is a fucking group date now. (laughs) Like three hours before I literally sent out an SOS to every single one of my friends. Like, please, like, I uh-huh. I will sink. If it's just me <laughs> and, like, seven of Tara's friends, this is not going to go well. And sent it out to probably 10 yeah. people. And only one of my friends, Pat my best Downey. friend, gets back. One of my best friends now. Yeah, I know. So, um, Pat, my friend Pat, is like, I'm there for you. I got you. Aww. We show up at the restaurant. We sat at the bar. And then you're... And that was Two it. Friends came. Well, it's funny because I told my girlfriends that we were going to start start off with a a chill Brentwood glass of wine and then move to Hollywood. So I was like, get dressed to go out. So in Brentwood, you're not putting on your deep V jumpsuit that Chelsea put on. Yeah, your friends showed up <laughs> like you guys were going to like like we were going out. And so like I had to go to the bathroom because I had to unzip her and and they laugh because they know I, you know, I love my wine, but I really can't go more than maybe two glasses. So they said the moment she ordered that second glass, we knew it was over. And we never went to Hollywood. We stayed till it almost closed. And then you all, you, he did this weird thing when he left. (laughs) (laughs) So I crushed, I think personally, 
No, because I'm a little quieter. It takes me a while to get going, yeah, you know, with yeah. people and make an impression. And but I felt like I did a really good job. Like as we were leaving, <laughs> I was like, ah, you you crushed that. <laughs> she stayed. You can tell over. that I liked you. Yeah, I could. And then I almost completely sabotaged myself. <laughs> I really thought it was I didn't a, know I was I didn't know this was a thing. I thought it was very strange. I didn't know what you were doing, but as you left. These real, I mean, it was like tall doors, very tall. I don't know, like 10 foot. And you jump up and tap it as you leave. And I yeah, just- it I was a bad move. I don't know. I didn't know what it so was. Basketball was, players out there will like, understand, will understand this. Yes. That usually when you see like a door or a sign right. that's between like- Eight and ten yes. foot. It means just jump up and touch it, right? And I didn't know this, so I just remember telling the girls when I got in the car, I was like, "This all went so great." Did you see him do that little leap what was as he, doing? he was leaping? Yeah. What was that like? A little. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so enough about our first yeah. date. But again, as we said in episode one, what six months after that date, yep. we got engaged. Got so engaged. There the, we were. The jumping Quick doorway yep. didn't hurt me too much. No, it didn't. <laughs> But so back to the this pregnancy that we're in the middle of. Okay. Five days later, um, I think after that, your no, HCG number is quadrupled and we we're feeling good. Yeah, it was actually your birthday. It was June 10th. So then the next blood draw was June 10th. And I woke up feeling good. I was excited. Went to the clinic, ran into the doctor at the elevator. Was just a mile a minute, so excited. And then came home and opened up that portal and saw that the number didn't double. And I knew from all the research I did the week before that that was, you know, not a good sign. And I was just crushed. It was almost like I knew it was too good to be true. And it was devastation really in that moment because I, I feel like I knew that this was now not going to work. Yeah, I think that's a problem too that we ran into is like you were so convinced that it wasn't going to work. And I was, I was always like, well, it's not that yes. it's not that bad. Like it could still work and let's be hopeful. And you're like, no. Yeah, it's we like- were definitely, that was a hard day, I think for me. Not only that it's your birthday and it's silly, B-days are silly in general, but it's fun to celebrate. But the one thing I like about a birthday is I feel like I'm starting a new year and you have this fresh start. And it just was overall just this ominous, sad feeling and a start to a new year. And we were on such different pages because, you know, we spoke to Dr. Beck, you know, I called her and I was really concerned and she's like, look, we just have to wait and see, you know, because who knows what's going to happen in this next test. And obviously it was rising. It didn't quite double, but it's not like it started dropping yet or, you know, anything where you know that the pregnancy was over. And we were on different pages, I think, which you were still so hopeful. And I think couples will understand this and know that when one person is feeling something, you know, dreadful or nerve wracking, or they are on such a completely different page, it only adds to the isolation because then you're sitting there in your fear alone. You know, no matter how many times I tried to tell you this was wrong, you just weren't seeing it yet. Yeah, it's hard because there wasn't a finality to a number like that. So what you needed Mm -hmm. and what I should have been able to give you and couldn't was sympathy and empathy and hugs and it, I'm, I'm so sorry like we'll get through this I was sort of like like it's not gonna be okay well, that <laughs> coupled with ang- like not anger but frustration that you're already so down like this is one test we're just a little bit under where we're supposed to be like let's see like 
come on, like, it's fine. Like, stop being, you know, stop being like the Debbie Downer <laughs> on this because we still have hope. And I think, you know, that leads us to a different conversation too, just about, you know, I think Dr. Beck also was like, you know, like not, it's not a cause for an alarm, but it's not where it necessarily we'd right. hope it is. Right. And the thing is with those, like I would, I would hear her and be like, okay, there's still hope. And I think for most doctors, what they do as they should, probably every fertility doctor does this, is they're not going to say it's over no. like, or it's, you're perfect. Like there's always, until it's actually, actually over. over it's not actually, over. Yeah. It's, and, and so I think that's like a hard thing for patients to understand and to kind of process. Because is, it's a limbo. It's just this drawn out process. And, you know, we were in the situation where it was, like I said, the number wasn't dropping. It was called slow rising. And it was sort of reaching those numbers where if you dig deep into the internet, it will say, oh, it's a 60% raise and that still could be okay. So you were in the, we were the, in this really gray area. But at this point, this day, I just melted into the couch and full tears and then frantically researching every story I could on low HCG, not doubling HCG and I swear within a short amount of period, and especially over this journey, it is funny I think about this, I have researched that so much in so many different combinations that I think I've read every single article, forum, anything. I know every woman's story on this because I was so desperate to, to find hope. I mean, to your point too about you hanging on to any little story that you read online, I mean, I think... You know, over the course of our journey, I saw that a lot from you of just this desperate, like, let me find one or two people that are going through what I'm going through and like, ha like got a baby. And that's like the, and I know women or people, couples don't want to be pitied in this process, but like that made, that always made me so, so sad that I would see you on Instagram or on the internet. And like, you would show me like, Hey, this person had similar numbers and they ended up having a baby. And I think that's just a product of this world, right? That women, couples will, they're so desperate for a positive result that you will grasp onto any little tiny shred of hope and anyone's story. But it's this interesting thing of when you're grasping on to these stories or other people's numbers, it gives you, it satiates some anxiety that you're having. It, it, it's almost like a compulsion <laughs> that I had to keep looking and I would look at someone's numbers and, and I would compare it to mine. And then I'd look at her next numbers and I'd get my calculator out. And it's just like, it is a sad process. And you just wish, why can't it go right? And you just desperately want to be that person that just has the, the pregnancy where things go as planned. But you were, I think it's safe to say that you were already sort of grieving. Well, it's so interesting because it, it, it just is this seesaw where I knew, my gut knew that this wasn't great and it wasn't going to be okay. And then the other part is, how do you not hold on to hope? How, this is everything you wanted. You're so close. It's actually happening. It's human nature to want to hold on to that hope. But I started grieving and that's just the way I like to process things in life. I'm sure you notice that now is, you know, I like it head on. I like to just face the facts. I want to just drown myself in it for a few days. I want to feel the pity. I want to feel the sadness. I want to feel hopeless. I want all of that, get it out of my system and then recharge. And I'd rather grieve at that point than, than like you do, where you grieve when there's actually an answer 
and then you take that on. For me, I think I was protecting my heart where I didn't want to have to deal with that pain later. It's like rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. Two days later, you had another test. What were the results of that test? Well, confusing again. (laughs) It just, it was rising. It just wasn't quite doubling, but it was rising enough that everyone was thinking maybe this is okay because I also had a pretty big number. So as the numbers get bigger, sometimes it slows down. So there was all of these different variables and it was just, let's wait. And now we'll go do a scan next week. So at five and a half weeks, you have what's called like a gestational scan. Then we had to wait. We went to the gestational scan with, with Dr. Beck. So what is that? And what did our results show in that? So we get to almost see every part of the progression of the pregnancy because we were working with an IVF clinic. And so we went to the scan and I didn't know what to expect. I thought, you know, maybe these numbers are good enough. Maybe it's going to be okay. And then Dr. Beck, smile on her face. There it is. I see it. And you see this, you know, this little black, you know, little package (laughs) with, with your cute little embryo in the middle. I mean, so you, we saw a gestational sac and then inside is the yolk sac and um, hopefully a fetal pole. And that was the next big jump. And she's like, and yes. we saw all of that. It's, right? it's there yeah. looking good. You're, they also like check if you're, you're up to date to exactly where you are in your pregnancy. I was looking good. I think I was a day ahead. And I thought, okay, now there's like a little more hope. Yeah, this is probably another instance where Todd, the insensitive <laughs> idiot, is like, Tara, Sarah, like, I told you. I told you, like, geez, <laughs> stop with the like worrying enough. And then a week later, so six and a half weeks in, you do a heartbeat scan, which to me is like, it's just a crazy scan in general. Like you're literally seeing whether or not this embryo I has know, grown enough to thing. have a beating heart. Right. Well, you know, I was a little hopeful and, you know, just praying for a heartbeat. And it's crazy that this little thing has, you know, a flicker that you'll see on a screen and it's a big milestone to reach. And I walked in and sat down and I just knew. I knew from watching her, that awkward silence, that searching and like, I could tell she just wanted to find this heartbeat and just the look on her face when she said, I'm sorry, there's no fetal heartbeat. Thanks for listening to Unexpecting the Podcast. Please subscribe, leave a review and follow Unexpecting Pod on Instagram for info about upcoming weekly episode releases. And hey, DM me on Instagram if you'd like to engage about fertility. I'd love to hear your story because our path might be different, but it doesn't mean we're lost.